Kink is a really wide spectrum. There are so many different ways to be kinky. Honestly, it's infinite. But I do think that a lot of folks would be kinkier if we didn't live in such a rigidly, puritanically sex-negative culture that has, for, for centuries, told us that a very narrow way of having sex is the right way and the sanctioned way to have sex. All right, everyone, welcome to Heal Thyself once again. So excited to bring to you today fantastic information coming from a wonderful, wonderful guest. And as always, so much gratitude from me, the team here, for taking the time out of your life, out of your day to really tune in to some information that hopefully resonates with you as always. But time is the most valuable asset and your focus and your attention so beautiful. So who do I have on? I have Dr. Kate Ballastieri. And she is a psychologist and a certified sex therapist. And she's the founder of Modern Intimacy. So what she does for a living is help people set down any shame-driven scripts, right? That are getting in the way of living a holistic, integrated, and thriving life. But this is one of my favorite topics. It's going to be about sex. And she's the host of Get Naked with Dr. Kate podcast. What are we going to be talking about today? Some of my favorite topics across the board. Embodied sex. How do we have embodied sex? How do we have an embodied sexual experience? Sex and intimacy. How do you create more intimacy in your relationship? A lot of you out there are suffering with intimacy issues. Healing from trauma. Shame around sex. The negativity of shame. How much of a role does parental, societal, and even religious shame play into the repression of your own sexuality? And how do we know it? And how do we feel it? And where do we feel it? We talk about kinkiness, kink. How do we know if we're repressing our own preferences and specific kinks to us? And how do we have that conversation with our partner? And the orgasm gap, a really big one. Talking about when foreplay starts and how to really close that gap so you and your partner are having fruitful upon fruitful sexual experiences. We also talk about the porn industry and how it's affecting your sex life. This show is chock full of information. If you're in a relationship and you want to better your sex life, listen. If you want to better your sex life and you're single and you want to have a better relationship to yourself sexually, listen. Remember, sex is fundamental to human health. We have to have a healthy sexual connection. Sexual authenticity is so, 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 so much. Check it out. Enjoy this show. I think you're going to love it. All right, everyone, look. The juiciest of topics are when we go into the most taboo stuff. Of course, you would think so, right? Now, lately I've been getting some fantastic, fantastic guests, but I am going, we are going deep on this one. And for lack of better terms, I have Dr. Kate Ballastieri on the show. She's a psychologist, certified sex therapist, founder of Modern Intimacy, and of the podcast Get Naked with Dr. Kate. And we are uncovering, we're moving the blanket, and we're uncovering <laughs> all the stuff that y'all too afraid to talk about. And we're getting in on it. Welcome to the show, Doc. Thanks so much for having me here. I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm very excited. I mean, like we, um, a few months ago, we were on a FaceTime and we were just mm -hmm. talking about like, all of the taboos and what we're holding back from ourselves and authenticity and expression. And we were just vibing on it. And I was like, hey, listen, when you can come, you can please just come to the show. And finally, we got you here. And off the camera, we were talking about kink. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. I want to start off like this. Are so many of us repressing our own natural expression of our kinkiness? Mm, that's such a great question. You know, I would say that there are a lot more people who enjoy kink than most people think. And kink is a really wide spectrum. There are so many different ways to be kinky. Honestly, it's infinite. But I do think that a lot of folks would be kinkier if we didn't live in such a rigidly, puritanically sex-negative culture that has, for, for centuries, told us that a very narrow way of having sex is the right way and the sanctioned way to have sex. Mm -hmm. When people drop all of that sex negativity and they just sort of allow themselves to think more expansively about sex, wow, do they have pleasure that is unparalleled. You know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us want to look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well-balanced from the inside out. And, you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. 
and you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best and they're always at health events and people are loving them and their quality. Alitura Naturals has crafted a serum that is not only safe, but also incredibly effective. Listen, a lot of you ask me where I get my glow from. This is a huge part of the equation. Their gold serum isn't just another skincare product. It's a testament to the power of natural healing and a commitment to holistic health. It uses organic ingredients like jojoba, olive, rosehip oils, and the gold serum is made organically with plant-derived vitamin A, not synthetic stuff, not that nasty stuff that you're getting in a lot of these over-the-counter products. GHKCU and marine collagen to revitalize your skin. Alitura Naturals has been using the best ingredients in their products for years. They've been pioneering the path for what truly transformed skin should be. So if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alituria Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount, just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you. That's 20% off of this gold serum. Go to alitura.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com and get that 20% discount. It's amazing stuff. I use it every night before bed and I'm telling you, I'm on fire with my skin in a good way. Check it out. All right, let's face it. With all the toxins we're exposed to nowadays with processed foods, pollutants, and even stress, our poor livers have been working overtime. If you've been feeling sluggish, bloated, or just overall rundown, it may be time to give your hardworking liver some extra love and support. That is where Organifi's Liver Detox comes in. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfoods. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfood ingredients specifically designed to remove excess toxins and improve digestion, promote healthier energy levels, and just overall liver health. Now, one of the key ingredients is artichoke leaf extract, which has been clinically proven to help detoxify the liver and digestive tract. Then you got the all-star liver protector. You heard of it, milk thistle, an herb that has been used for centuries to give your liver a big old hug. That's not all. Organifi's liver detox also contains dandelion root, one of my favorite ones of all time, which is loaded with vitamins and minerals to promote healthy liver function and digestion. And finally, Trophalia, an ancient Ayurvedic formula packed with antioxidants that have been traditionally used as a powerful liver tonic, one of my favorite ones too. So whether you're dealing with sluggish digestion, low energy, or just want to give your body's main detox engine a little extra love, Organifi's Liver Detox has your back. Just take one to three capsules at any point during the day to start supporting your liver's natural detox pathways. All of us need to be supporting our liver. If you want to experience the energy boosting, liver supporting effects of this fantastic formula, head to OrganifiShop.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash DRG. When we are in that sex negative dogma in our body, Mm -hmm. why aren't we able to express and feel that high amount of pleasure? Well, it's constricting, right? Sex negativity is limiting. It's, it's, it, it puts a damper on our bodies and on pleasure. It creates this experience for many people of shame in the body. And unless shame is your kink, shame really shuts sexual arousal down for most people. So, you know, if we're walking around on this planet thinking that something that we're erotically excited about is bad or that we're bad because we like it, that can really inhibit desire and or it can create a compartmentalization of here's what I do over here, but it's not how I experience myself. And that fragmentation can create a lot of dis-ease in people's bodies. Yeah, I agree. I mean, at least from the somatic emotional stuff that I Mm -hmm. do, I find shame to be so deeply rooted. And most of that shame is coming from sex negativity. Oh, for sure. Without even realizing. And, you know, it's cultural, it's religious, it's parental, Mm -hmm. it's school. It's all these things where we're fitting into this like jigsaw piece that we don't fit into. Right. And, and we're like, I don't understand why I don't fit in here. I feel so constricted. Is this life? But, but, it, but it's not, you're saying. Yeah, I'm saying we, we are conditioned to be very inauthentic a lot of the times because that's what we think society demands of us and expects of us sexually and otherwise. So yeah, when we learn to integrate and be more authentic, things change. Okay. Things change in our bodies. Now I got all the questions unfold, unfolding right now and they're flowing. Okay. Uh, my, my, my question is then for your work and what you've seen, mm-hmm. are most people coming to you already inherently in that sex negative space? 
Well, I think a lot of people who come and see me don't want to be in that space um, and they are looking for a path out, but they've not really found a path that either fits with the values that they have or with the lifestyle that they have, or they're really afraid of stepping into a new chapter in life and kind of disrupting what has been the status quo for a lot of good reasons. When people start to live in their authenticity very frequently, they'll start to see relationships that were important to them change and maybe even drop off. So a lot of folks have fear around how to create integration in their lives and, and protect the things and the relationships that are meaningful to them. I'm going to ask the taboo topic now because okay. this is the show. How, and I'm coming from a spiritual standpoint, uh, someone who grew up very religious. I got confirmed. I got, uh, I got my communion. I went to Catholic school. How much of a role does religion play in the constriction and shame that we hold for our own sex and sexuality? This is a controversial question. Um, I think it plays a tremendous role. And for a long time, uh, the, the overcoupling of religion and laws and especially laws about sexuality really inhibited how we saw our bodies, how we saw pleasure. And that has held really firmly across millennia. So when people leave high control religious groups or when they start to question experiences of high control religion, that deconstruction can feel like liberation in their bodies and sexually, but also existentially and spiritually. Um, so there can be many great things that religion can offer people, yeah. but it definitely can have a negative effect on people's sexuality and the way that they experience themselves in that domain. I personally and the clients that I've worked with have a marked point in our health that was shame around sex and then after shame around sex, mm. right? It was the growing up religious. It is, there's a evil connotation. It is mm. dirty. It is shameful. Right. And even as you grow up, those imprinting just pieces that are in you for so long, it's so young, even as you grow up and even just move away from religion. And like, I found my own spirituality and I was mm -hmm. meditating and consciousness and all the things. I didn't know it was still in my body. Like I didn't mm -hmm. know that I was still constricting so much. And it wasn't until somatically I felt that shame that exactly you said, the liberation mm -hmm. was felt. And I see that in clients mm -hmm. where they go, oh my God, I am a sexual being. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Like I was told that the very essence of me is evil or the very essence of me is wrong or to be shamed. And then they realize that who they are is without shame. It's unbounded. It's so mm -hmm. powerful. And that unfolding is one of the most incredible things I see in any form of healing. It's, mm -hmm. It is actually beautiful. This is why I say sexual healing is like, yeah. wherever Gabe was on some, some stuff already, <laughs> he was a prophet because he, he knew. Uh -huh. um, so, how do we begin to even know if we're in that really heavy shame with sex? Yeah. Well, if you're hiding your sexual interests, that could be self-protective, but it also could be uh, rooted in shame. Um, if you're feeling really bad about it, and if after you're sexual in the way that you like, or when you think about sex after you think about it or have a fantasy, if you plummet into an experience of shame or dysphoria, it's likely that you, you have some sort of shame, whether it's yours or you're carrying it for other people, that is really holding you back from feeling liberated. Now, I'll put out one caveat, and that is to say that a lot of folks who have sexual interests that maybe are not legal feel shame because they don't want to feel something interesting that is illegal. And it makes sense that shame in that instance might be something that inhibits them from engaging in illegal behavior. So I'm not saying that people should have a free for all. Right. But so long as what you're interested in is a consenting experience for all the people involved, then shame afterward is likely the result of a tremendous amount of sex negativity that's just been entrenched somewhere in your mind or your body or both. Yeah, I think from the consciousness of, at least we'll go back to the religious standpoint, 
it is, if not this, then Sodom and Gomorrah, free for all, everyone is having sex with everyone. I mean, what and, if? And, 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 and yeah, like, is that a problem? But no. like, like <laughs> sounds but, great. But, but, ultim- but ultimately, it's like there is the 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 loss of order, the destruction of like the family systems, the traditionality. But for me, at this point in our consciousness, it's like, are we still holding on to so much of the things that are causing shame? Well, monogamy was only invented a few millennia ago, so we didn't have these traditional family systems. Um, at the dawn of human experience. And we really didn't until I think about, don't quote me on this, but it was around 4000 BC is when we started to invent monogamy and understood monogamy's purpose in terms of shoring up a, a capitalistic and a militaristic society. So it was a very intentional invention. And I do think that a lot of the fear around what happens to the degradation of the traditional family system or traditional family values, if we are more sex positive, is these other systems will be impacted, right? right? People will find more pleasure, more joy, more support. And some may still appreciate monogamy in that, you know, in a different system, and that's okay. Um, But it's very intentional that there's so much fear that's perpetrated around the idea of sexual liberation. It's Mm -hmm. a form of control. Yeah, I I can feel that. Um, Do, I guess, do you think that we are meant to be monogamous then, or are we inherently in our genes uh, meant to be more open, polyamorous, or something like that. Yeah, sex therapists really view relationship orientation on a spectrum, and they see all of those possibilities and everywhere in between as healthy, so long as the folks involved um, are consenting to it, they understand what they're what they're saying yes to, what they're saying no to, and they're consciously agreed upon. Um, arrangements or or agreements in relationships. So for some people, monogamy might feel the best. It might feel safest. It might feel the most exciting and thrilling. And that's great. It's very healthy for them. And for some people, a monogamous dynamic could be great where they have a primary partner and then they play with other people in other instances. Um, For some folks, an open relationship is good. And for some people, polyamory is what's healthiest for them. So we just, I think, would benefit from moving away from this rigid expectation of what a life and relational trajectory should be, because the reality is we have a lot more diversity in terms of what what different people feel good doing. I want everyone viewing and listening, are you triggered by any of this up to this point? (laughs) Because if you are, pay attention in your body. Notice where you're holding it. Notice where you're holding tension. It's very important we can either be triggered and get really mad at the at the host and the guest right now. Or we can go, okay, wait, maybe there's something in my body that's feeling constricted that is asking to open up. Because essentially that's what's happening. Your body's mm-hmm. talking to you if you're feeling that trigger. And there's a moment and opportunity for expansion. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to kink because we haven't really talked about this <laughs> on the show. Okay. And I think maybe it's it's a little confusing. So like, what is a kink? And, and how do we know if we are kinky? Great questions. So kink is defined as anything that kind of deviates from, I don't want to use the word deviate. It uh, departs from what is kind of the heteronormative mainstream um, vanilla sex. So, you know, think about things like missionary position being vanilla, um, more intimate, loving, um, romance-oriented kind of vanilla sex. And kink is anything that is outside of that. And that can include, a lot of folks don't really consider anal sex to be kinky. I think we've incorporated that into a norm, a more normative experience at this point. But for many people, that does feel really kinky and outside of the mainstream. So it can include all different kinds of things um, under the acronym of BDSM. So um, uh, different kinds of role play, different kinds of fetishes, like mm-hmm. all, everything that feels outside of that vanilla sphere. Mm-hmm. And and things that for the most part are sort of taboo for us to even 
not even explore, but even acknowledge that, oh, wait, I actually kind of like this dynamic in bed, right? I mean, it might feel taboo for some people and it might feel really uh, front and center and prioritized for other people. So so if someone is goes, okay, I'm having, let's say, quote unquote, vanilla, right? Mm -hmm. Which is just the heteronormative sex that that we talked about. How do how do we lean in and go, okay, wait, like, I might be a little more kinkier than I thought. Do we feel that in our bodies? Do we yeah. have thoughts? Do we enjoy some some things that sort of, as you said, depart a little bit more and go, hey, I want to explore that? How do we start really leaning into, oh, I might be a little bit kinky? I mean, I think some questions to ask yourself might be things like, do you like spanking, giving mm-hmm. or receiving? Do you like different kinds of sensations on your body? Like, Maybe the sensation of a warm wax or a whipped cream or a spreadable chocolate. We would consider that a kind of kinkiness. Um, Do you like to be blindfolded or maybe have some of your senses enhanced or limited to, to really increase the stimulation that you experience? I mean, at, at its core, kink is about building intimacy and that might feel like a, a bit of a paradigm shift because a lot of folks think kink is kind of out there and oh, yeah. it's just this like um no holds bar like sexy 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 thing um but it really is about sharing a moment it's about negotiating boundaries it's about coming to agreements and folks who practice kink tend to be really well adjusted And a part of that is because they take a lot of time in healthy kink scenarios to really communicate with their partners about what they want, what they don't want, what their partner wants, what their partner doesn't want. It's been a long time since I promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands. We got one of the best ones now on Heal Thyself. Are you ready to elevate your coffee game? And experience to prove that it's not only delicious, but it's also health focused. Let me introduce you to Purity Coffee. You heard me review them in one of my first ever coffee reviews as one of the best, and then my second ever one as one of the best. And it's one of the best still. It's an ultimate choice for coffee lovers who, who prioritize taste as well as well being. I'm gonna tell you what makes Purity Coffee stand out from the crowd. Every step in their process is rooted in health focused principles backed by solid, scientific, research based, rigorous testing. They use the finest specialty-grade organic Arabica beans and then move on to small batch roasting, ensuring that each cup meets the highest standards of quality. But what really sets Purity Coffee apart from all the other coffee brands is their dedication, is my favorite, is their dedication to purity and safety. Their beans undergo third-party testing to ensure they're free of pesticides, toxins, and harmful mycotoxins, those pesky substances that can wreak havoc on your health, causing issues like liver and kidney damage, digestive problems, brain fog, and fatigue. Purity Coffee also has some of the highest antioxidant capacity. And this is important because we have to understand coffee is actually really good for us when we're getting quality coffee. And the reason it's good for us and ensures so many benefits, especially heart health, is because of its antioxidant capacity. Purity has one of the highest antioxidants that you're going to find in coffee, giving you a powerful dose of healthy boosting compounds with every sip. Purity Coffee is grown on regenerative organic farms that prioritize soil health, animal welfare, and community well-being. They have certifications by USDA Organic, Rainforest Alliance, and Smithsonian Bird Friendly. You can also trust Purity Coffee is not only good for you, but also good for the planet. They have a range of roasts from their light medium roast with sweet fruity notes and their dark roast with rich bold taste. So to try out one of my favorite coffees in existence and one that I recommend to everyone still to this day, I've been doing it for years, is Purity Coffee. Go to puritycoffee.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your first purchase. That is P-U-R-I-T-Y-C-O-F-F-E-E.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your order. You know, living a long life is great. It is. We all want to live longer. But what's even better is living those years in good health, right? Free of the chronic diseases and the ailments. Unfortunately for many, the gap between lifespan and healthspan is way too wide. And we spent our last years ill, not enjoying our life to the fullest. And that's why I'm always into research-based products, quality supplements that are coming out to you, the highest, the best of the best, some of the best rigorously tested supplements. And one of my favorite companies across the board is Momentus. And they have two that I use every single day, creatine and collagen. These are the two powerhouses at work. I've been open that I've been working out more four times a week. I'm lifting heavy weights and these are staples. And and not just me, I think everyone should be out working out, building muscle, staples to muscle repair and muscle growth. 
But what sets Momentus apart from the rest is its clinically researched formulas. For the collagen, it delivers 15 grams of collagen, supporting your body in various ways. And it's not just one type of collagen, it's all the types of collagen, right? A lot of companies just have one type of collagen. You want all the types of your body's absorbing and utilizing this collagen the way you desire the body to use it. But boy, oh boy, the gold standard for working out, if you're not on this, you don't even have to be working out. You can use it for your brain. It's creatine. Momentous creatine is fantastic. There's no fillers, no additive, pure, effective ingredients you can trust. It trusts everything when it comes to supplements. Momentous third-party test. There's no surprises. What you see on the package is what you get. So if you're like me, you want to feel your body with the best of the best, go to livemomentous.com and use the code DRG for 15% off of creatine and collagen and all their top-notch products. That is L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com with the code DRG for your discount communicating and negotiating butt naked. I'm sure you can do it in a coffee shop about, <laughs> you know, what coffee to get, right? It's like, it, it's so easy because you're doing it at such a like charged, vulnerable moment. Yeah. So, you know, it's like working on a skill in the heart and the highest level, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's funny you say these things and I'm sure that people viewing listening are like, wait a minute, I already do the blindfolds already, yeah. right? Oh, already I do the, the, the whipped cream or the <laughs> wax or the handcuffs or things like exactly. that. Those are all falling under kink. Yeah, of course. Those are all different iterations of kink. Yeah, I might be more kinkier than you thought out there. <laughs> we got some kinky people out here, okay? So that's beautiful. But like, I, I love that the, because uh, this is all about authenticity. This right. is like the overarching heal thyself mantra. It's like to heal yourself, it's, it's about embodying and telling yourselves that you're safe to be you. Mm -hmm. And the I've, I like I said, the bigger, one of the biggest glaciers that we hold is that sexual you. Mm. And, and if you're going to be you, you got to be all of you. Mm. But it comes into feeling like what's really authentic for you and communicating yeah. with your partner and things like that. Um, th the shame plays such a major role in this, but, but people listening and viewing, again, lean into the trigger and see how you feel, see how you feel about it. The communication, the consent. Now there's people listening and they go, okay, I feel that my kink is too taboo. Mm. How do we even invite those people to explore that? Because I, listen, I don't, I don't know the whole spectrum of kinks and I, I, there, there might be some really taboo stuff, but how do we open the space for people to be like, hey, listen, you mentioned consent. Like, like you can be you as mm -hmm. long as it's not hurting anyone or, mm -hmm. or you know, uh, rooted in just fear, mm -hmm. but it's actually rooted in authentic, authenticity. Mm -hmm. Is there a way for, the, for people to explore that? Yeah. I mean, first of all, probably 90% of the folks who come to see someone in my practice think that their kink is like super out there. And right. the reality is human beings are incredibly diverse. And that means we are also diverse in terms of what we like sexually. So if you like something, maybe there aren't a ton of people who like it that you know about, but there are other people who like it too. And when you start to inch your way into kinkier communities, you'll find that a lot of people are more open-minded and willing to try different things because kinksters really enjoy playing with a few different themes around power, around authority, um, and around sensation. And so when we look at how those things are made conscious in a kinky practice, it's really easy to understand that one person's stimulus and another person's stimulus help them accomplish the same goal, right? It just takes a different shape and form. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's important to give yourself permission to be exploratory. And if you're feeling like you don't know where to start, talking with a sex therapist is a great place to start mm -hmm. because you can learn about, you know, what other folks have liked and get a lot of really practical tips and ideas on ways to talk to people about what you like and invite them in so that if you're really nervous about being shamed or being rejected, I mean, that does happen because yeah. there's a lot of negativity and a lot of uh, fear. We tend to fear what we don't know or don't understand as humans. But, but I think really working with someone and getting ahead of that can help you feel a lot more confident in your own sexual organization. And that confidence is often what allows you to cultivate those dynamics with other people. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And, and it's important to have that conversation sort of early on and be like, hey, partner who I really I'm starting to like and I like see this going somewhere. He, you know, this is parts of me that is like I really love to express um, in the bedroom. And, and how do we meet? 
or, or you know, is it, can we meet on here? Or is it like, no, I'm so not down because ultimately your expression is super, super important to your own health. Um, those conversations usually can be helped by a therapist. Yeah. Yeah, they can be. Absolutely. So this is what I hear a lot. A lot of women say, oh, well, I don't know what I really want. I just like my, my husband or my partner just comes home and he's horny and he just wants to have sex. And we sort of, I sort of like, kind of just like do what he wants. Mm -hmm. Is this common across the board? So common because women for so long, thanks to religion and uh, the things that we've been talking about, have been conditioned away from understanding their own sexual interests and instead prioritize, prioritizing the sexual needs of their partners, especially in heterosexual relationships. There's tremendous double standard around men's entitlement to pleasure versus women's entitlement to pleasure. So many women experience their own pleasure if their partner is having pleasure, right? And that's not the same in reverse all the time. This is what I was trying to get at. This is the commonality. It is the, it's the pleasure difference. The it orgasm the, gap. The is, orgasm gap. Yeah. What's the orgasm gap? So the orgasm gap, it refers to a, a study that was done. I think about 50,000 folks were polled and they were people of all genders and uh, all different sexual orientations. And what they found was that women who have sex with men um, achieved orgasm roughly 65% of the time, whereas men achieved orgasm around 95 or 96% of the time. So it's like a 30% gap in pleasure. And for men who have sex with men or women who have sex with women, that was a much smaller gap and right. difference in terms of pleasure and orgasm. So there's a lot that goes into that, including the sexual scripts that we inherit based in our gender socialization. Um, but it's, but biologically people with vulvas and people with clitorises have a much stronger propensity and, uh, capability for pleasure. I mean, people with a clit can have multiple orgasms, mm -hmm. long ones, and that has been sort of conditioned out of a lot of women because of all the shaming that happens around women's sexuality. Mm. Is another piece to that, that a lot of the, the people who are interacting with the clits and vulvas for, to try to say it in the best terms, but let's say a, a lot of the men out there, right? Are we just not learning how to drive a Ferrari? That's a big part of it sometimes. Yeah. The education around it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, I'm not against uh, erotic material in any way, shape or form, but if that's your sole source of sex education, right. you're not learning about female sexuality, especially if you're looking at mainstream porn and not porn that's created from a woman or created by a feminist, that porn you might actually learn a few things about female pleasure. But uh, a lot of men are not really well educated. The other thing to think about is that a lot of men really do try hard to provide pleasure to female partners, but they try so hard that it becomes about them, right? And about how they feel about themselves if they can give a woman, I'm putting give in air quotes, give a woman an orgasm. Yeah. Um, you don't give orgasms to people, right? You cultivate pleasure and each person is responsible for their own orgasm. But when somebody's, you know, got this expectation that it's on them to give pleasure, they usually become misattuned to the somatic uh, data and feedback of their partner. Now that's complicated because many women will also fake orgasms because they're ready for it to be over yeah. or they're protecting a man's ego, um, and sometimes understandably, because there can be violence sometimes when things don't go well. Um, so there's a lot of variables that go into play with the orgasm gap, but they are fixable. Mm. And fix fixable in the nature of men becoming more attuned, uh, women become more communicative, more empowered about things. Mm -hmm. Is this sort of where you're seeing us going right now? I do. I think that there are so many more folks who are saying, hang on, there's stuff that we don't know, or there's stuff I haven't been taught and I want to learn. And it's really wonderful. There are a lot more female bodied people saying, hold on, I want to feel something in my body. Let's slow down. And they're really having those communicative dialogues with partners. 
and taking time to get to know their own bodies differently and explore where maybe they haven't before. Yeah, because of all that shame. Yeah. Most likely, right? Yeah. So that exploration, that self-exploration, I mean, this is what I tell my clients. I'm like, does your left armpit feel way better than your right armpit? Do you do you like to be touched there? Do you even know what parts of your body are yeah. so pleasurable? And then the other parts that are like, oh, no, that, that doesn't feel too good. Mm-hmm. And so many women go, oh, no, I don't. I never even, you know, mm. like, wow, you know, like yeah. this is this you have to communicate with your partner because mm. the, the, to close that gap essentially to me is 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 cultivating more pleasure both sides. Mm-hmm. A lot of men go, yeah, I, I, I didn't give an orgasm, man. What a failure. <laughs> right. But the, I think the best quote is you don't give orgasms. You don't give orgasms. Right. You, you, you create that space and yeah. we cultivate that for ourselves. So it's beautiful to hear that we seemingly as a society are becoming more conscious less shameful, having more tools in the toolkit, which is really powerful. Mm. And even sex material, there's a lot of it coming out that is coming from women or like Mm -hmm. you said, feminists Mm -hmm. who who, it's sort of changing the consciousness around it. Now, totally the, the sex material that is traditional porn. And I know you said this is controversial, but I told you we're gonna shake it up a little bit. (laughs) it, It is that detrimental overall, overall, in the sexual health of how men approach sex? This is such a good question, and it's a really big question. Um, First of all, men are not a monolith, right? So there's tremendous diversity in terms of how men consume porn and how it affects them and how it affects their worldview and their perspective about sex. So I don't want to use a broad brush to say this is how men are affected, right? I do want to say that the porn industry has notoriously been incredibly exploitative and has perpetuated a tremendous amount of sexism and misogyny. And the porn industry is responsible for how a lot of the material has been shaped over the last 50 years, 60 years, 70 years. Um, So as we become more conscious and erotic material is made by more people for the view of more people, not just made by men for men, we see a diversity and an expansiveness of what erotica can look like and a more accurate representation of what really can happen sexually for partners. So a lot of the porn that's made in sort of mainstream porn is it's criticized because it doesn't show realistic sex. It focuses a lot on genital stimulation. It focuses a lot on penile stimulation. Um, it doesn't emphasize consent and show that. And so again, if, if that's your entertainment, that can maybe be okay. But a lot of folks go to porn as a source of education and they, they are, experiencing uh, poor education as a result. Um, And we don't have great sex education in the U.S. as a default. So there just isn't a lot to counteract how a lot of people internalize what they're seeing um, with like real, real life sex, authentic Mm -hmm. sex on the side. But, you know, if you look at it as a fantasy and you have other education, it doesn't have to be detrimental to your sex life. Right, right. Uh, a lot of people have porn addiction. Is that porn addiction coming from the the running away from deep emotions or the just finding pleasure in that versus like having to cultivate a relationship or find a partner or things like that? Because porn addiction is massive, massive. I've had people like write me DMs and I'm like, oh my God, there's a lot of people addicted to porn. But that's not my area of expertise. What is driving so much of this addiction? Well, I want to say first of all that there's a lot of controversy even amongst mental health professionals about whether or not sex addiction or porn addiction are real addictions. Um, So I tend to use the language of compulsive porn use so that we can honor the fact that the porn is probably not the stimulus but the ritualization of regulating oneself, regulating one's nervous system with porn is actually what can get kind of, what can get compulsive for some folks. So 
if we are looking at this as a form of regulation, what what we can see is that when people are compulsive in their porn use, they're usually going to porn because porn doesn't judge you. Porn doesn't have any needs, so you can really attend to your own needs. Um, porn doesn't introduce things like smell or taste into the sensory experience. So what can happen for a lot of folks who do become compulsive in porn is they sexually get organized as a one-person system, a one-person psychological and physiological system. What that means is that they're training their body to experience pleasure without another human in the room. It's like a human proxy on a screen. And so that can create for them um, an over-conditioning to pleasure and orgasm and to the sensation of the way that they engage in solo sex, right? Like we talk a lot, I've heard a lot of people call it the death grip, right? right, um, right. And, and so if you're over-conditioning your penis to a certain kind of tension and direction and torque when you masturbate, it might be really difficult to replicate that same kind of sensation with a partner because nobody's mouth and nobody's vagina, right. nobody's anus can do the things your hand can do mm. to your penis. So it's like, it, it's beneficial for people to diversify the kind of pleasure seeking experiences that they seek out so that they can have a more um, expansive and less rigid path to pleasure and orgasm in their brain. Now let's chat about something crucial that is omega-3s. You know I'm all about keeping clean and pure when it comes to products as well as food on my plate. But when it comes to supplements, right, we have to make sure we have the best of the best, but especially when it comes to omega-3s. And, and I really mean it. Omega-3s are some of the most adulterated supplements that exist out there. And a lot of companies aren't doing it right. We need omega-3s for our heart, for our brain, for our eye health. You might not be getting enough nutritionally. When it comes to Peori, it's a quality brand, not only just with omegas across their whole line. They're extremely transparent. Every batch undergoes rigorous testing against over 200 contaminants, and you could check the results for yourself. And that's one of my favorite things. You can scan the QR code and look at the batch that is right in front of you that is on your shelf or on your counter, and you can see the results for this quality testing. Puri's O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil delivers a potent dose of EPA and DHA without any unnecessary extras. Now, Puri is offering 20% off of their O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil, the one that I take every single morning, and all their fantastic products to you, the Heal Thyself listener. That's 20% off even the already discounted subscription price. I want you to go to Puri.com. Use my promo code DRG. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash DRG to take care of your health with some of the best omegas out there by Puri. These days... These days, it seems like everyone is carrying on a beverage, whether it's soda or flavored water, or kombucha, or coffee or tea. But not all beverages are created equal when it comes to quality and health benefits. That is why I become obsessed with Peaks Sun Goddess Matcha. I've been using this for, it's one of the first supplements I really invested in. It's four years ago, probably. And it's not just any old matcha powder. We're talking organic ceremonial grade matcha tea that has been meticulously screened for pesticides, heavy metals, mold, and even radioactive isotopes. Peak takes no shortcuts. Their matcha is cultivated by ninth degree tea masters in Kagoshima, Japan, using century old traditions. Their plants are shaded for 35% longer than usual to maximize the production of vital compounds like L-theanine for calm, steady energy and chlorophyll for its detoxifying anti-aging properties. I start every morning with a frothy cup of sun goddess matcha, not just for energizing my body, you know, we all want to get that caffeine kick, yeah, okay, but for the amazing gut health, metabolism boosting, and antioxidant benefits. The phytonutrients nurture my digestive system, the EGCG compounds help my body burn calories efficiently, and the chlorophyll gives my skin the awesome reading. You see I'm glowing right now, right? That's because of the matcha. There's perfectly proportioned packets that are easy to mix with water whenever I need to pick me up, so easy to make a consistent self-care ritual. Peak is offering you, the Heal Thyself listener, 15% off of their sun goddess matcha, plus a free beaker and a rechargeable frother when you go to peaklife.com slash DRG. They're so confident that you're going to love it. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. No code at checkout. Just go to P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E.com slash DRG. You're going to get 15% off plus all those freebies. That just made it really clear. Now I understand a lot a lot better the bigger picture okay. and, and, and why so many 
people, especially men, who uh, over-consume, over-ritualize, and mm-hmm. have a compulsory behavior, why it can bring up potential issues in the relationship, in intimacy, and in, in sex. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've had friends say, like, when I stop watching porn, I sleep with my partner more, or my yep. wife more. Mm-hmm. And I understand how the overconsumption of it can absolutely put a stake between two partners in a relationship. Do you find a lot of people coming to you being like, yeah, porn is like really messing up our relationship? Yeah, we we do um, get a lot of folks at the practice who have recognized that porn has driven a wedge between the sex life, between them and the sex life that they want. So when people create a containment around those behaviors, boundaries around porn related behaviors, they do start to see their sex life change more often than not. But, but I just want to say, porn doesn't have to be something that is regulated for many people. They right. can watch a lot of porn, they can masturbate a lot, and they can have a hot sex life with their partner right. and not be impacted. So again, we want to be careful not to blame porn and instead understand that there's a lot of intersubjective uh, dynamics that play a part in how somebody relates to porn and the mm-hmm. impact that it can have on them. Yeah because we're not big monoliths. There's a big spectrum of how we all can consume and, and, and regulate. And, and, if, and if we can do that, then we can still show up in another way. That's fine exactly. too. Um, I just find that at least from the bubble that I'm in, the people who message me will say, I'm over consuming this and it's causing an issue in my relationship. Yeah. And I feel that like generally speaking, that's what I hear more of, but I know that there's people who are well adjusted too. Um, I want to, you said, I still, the orgasm gap is still on my head. Okay. Right? Because maybe I have unanswered questions, but how do we educate? Let's say there's a couple mm-hmm. and the, 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 the man goes, I want to have sex. I want to have it right now. How do we slow it down? <laughs> how do we slow it down and go, okay, hold on, hold on. Because maybe I might be wrong, but it, it's, it takes, what, 20 minutes just for a woman to get really warmed up for sex? I mean, it it can, it Mm -hmm. can. I I think, again, we have to look at a lot of um, variables, right? There's so many things that go into desire and and the kinds of desire are different. So in this example that you're offering, this man sounds like he has spontaneous desire. Boom, out of nowhere. Right. Middle of the kitchen. Yep. I'm on, ready to go. Brain says yes. Body's like, come on, let's do it. but that doesn't happen for some people as a default. Um, and, and sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. A lot of people have responsive desire and people of all genders can have what's called responsive desire. And basically what that means is that their mind is sort of like not really, not really like sparking with a lot of desire, but they might be kissing their partner or their partner might be giving them a massage or maybe they're dancing and moving their body. And something in the body's like, this feels good. Hello. And then the mind is like, yes, I am in. Let's go. So, you know, we might think of it as kind of a top down, right, spontaneous or bottom up, body up kind of uh, responsive desire. So a lot of folks in partnership will kind of hit that um that impasse with one another and it can create some desire discrepancies. It can put one person in a position where they're initiating sex more. And that can sometimes, you know, be experienced as entitlement. Um, So entitlement has a very inverse relationship with desire. So if a partner thinks their partner expects them to be sexual they might go along with it, but their desire probably isn't going to be very high. Mm. And, and in a partnership, let's, is it normal to have one partner with a higher quote unquote libido than the other? Or is that more signifying that maybe the one with lower libido hasn't really just expressed fully what excites them? Well, I think it's completely to be expected that people will have different levels of desire and libido at different times in their life. I mean, you're not always hungry at the same time your partner is. You're not thirsty the same time your partner is. You're not tired the same time your partner is. I don't know why we expect that we want to have sex at exactly the same time our partner does, right? Outside of this idea that 
we should just be one and have the same sexual experience and mind and desire and all the things that come with a lot of the way relationships are romanticized. Um, but when people do get in a good rhythm, when they have balance in their relationship in terms of emotional labor, domestic labor, um, they trust each other, there's safety, they have the kind of affection that they want, that creates a really great context for people's desire and libido to be more on the same page. But mm. yeah, it is common to have, you know, different experiences of desire and relationship. Why would we ever think that everything's the same, right? right. It's, it's, it's funny, but like, yeah, it's truly like really, really important. But what I'm hearing is like for the orgasm gap, it's really important to have the foreplay even way before you even get into the bedroom or wherever you are. Mm. You said things like dancing or connecting or maybe cooking together. It's still, it, it's, it's a form of connection mm. that sort of already starts the process. Yeah, I, I often tell couples that foreplay starts the minute your last sexual experience ends. So how are you creating opportunities for erotica or for spark or for flirting or for fun with each other in between your sexual experiences? You know, we are not light switches. So if things are feeling wonky between you or if you're tired and you feel like your partner's not pitching in enough and there's not equity in terms of how you approach your shared experience, your shared relationship, that can, you know, further those disparities in desire. And it can feel like a jolt then when, when the partner who usually has less responsibility in emotional or domestic labor has more room for spontaneous desire. When they're like, hey, you want to get right. something going? This partner's like, what are you talking about? so tired. I have no room for that. I haven't even been thinking about that because yeah, right. I've been getting the kids lunches and doing this and running the dog to, you know, yeah. all the things. So like, how do you work together to make sure that you both have enough room to be in your bodies and to cultivate vitality as individuals? So you have something to bring to each other. Mm -hmm. And and I find that, that, that you said in the body, the, those somatic practices are really helpful to like, yeah get someone out of like, oh, the kid's this, and then get someone else, oh, I, these emails that I needed to this. It's like, let's bring us to the now moment mm -hmm. where we're together, somatically connecting. What are some really good exercises that we can do mm -hmm. in partnership or with wherever experience we're having to get into our bodies first? Yeah. So a great way to do this with a partner is to start with just some simple eye gazing. So face each other, you can sit cross-legged, you can put your legs over each other's legs and behind each other's backs if you want to get a little closer. Um, some couples like to do this with their clothes on. Some couples like to take their clothes off and have skin-to-skin -skin contact. Um, so that's a good start. And a lot of folks say, oh, I hate eye gazing or it's so uncomfortable or all we do is giggle. And that's great, you know, yeah. just just be in your bodies with each other because our bodies hold a lot of our emotional experience. So when we slow down and start to engage in eye contact, um, that can be a great release and, and a, a homecoming of sorts in your mm -hmm. body. But if eye contact is really hard or even if it's easy, you can add in some other nonverbal um, kinds of movements, right? So you might put your hand on each other's knees if that feels accessible, or you might put your hand on each other's hearts and just start accessing um, a rhythm in your breath and sync up your breath together. Some partners like to kind of move back and forth with one another yeah. or side to side. You know, create in your body some movement, some rhythm that helps your bodies code as safe enough with one another, um, interested, engaged, and, and that can help you drop down into your body a little bit more, especially if you choose to do all of that without any words. Mm, powerful stuff, because if you think about it, first we're, like you mentioned, we're getting in our bodies, quieting the mind, and then we're getting into this rhythmic flow, like mm -hmm. a little dance, energetic dance, opening that saying literally to the body, you're mirroring each other, that you're safe, this person mm -hmm. is safe. And a lot of people are suffering with sexual trauma from the mm. past. So unfortunately, their body still has to relax into itself. Mm. Okay, this person's safe, even though this is my wife or my husband, it's, it's okay. 
Um, that practice and those practices uh, for me are so important. Mm. Um, and I find that if I recommend that to anyone, it, they're like, whoa. Yeah. Just to think like, you know, we weren't even, we're in our heads so mm. much during sex. Uh, am I good enough? Is, is this person going to orgasm, mm -hmm. right? Uh, man, am I going to last long enough? Mm -hmm. All these things are in the head going and going and going. My God, we're not even in our bodies. So, <laughs> so imagine, true. yeah, heart-centric, heart really deeply connected mm -hmm. sex. Is, that's the medicine for me, at least. I mean, I, I hear that. Another thing, though, that can feel more accessible if somebody is having a hard time being that intimate, a lot of couples, when I give them that exercise to do, they they don't prioritize it. It's hard to do it. And I yeah. think it's because it's so intimate that it brings up a lot of big feelings about how, how disconnected they have felt for a long time. There yeah. can be grieving and can be anger that come up, that comes up when you start to reconnect because you think about all the time you've lost or some of those resentments that you might be sitting yeah. on are more present. Um, so sometimes massage can be another entry way into, uh, having a more embodied experience with one another. Is it, I know that there's, um, this, this belief that, okay, you know, some of us are more this than that, than that, than that. Like there's the, there's the, um, kinky and the sexual and the sensual is, is, do you subscribe that? Yeah, we all actually have these inherent, like overarching this is how I show up more than the others uh, or are we sort of can access can we access all of them I'll go back to what I said earlier humans are incredibly diverse yeah. so some people might have um, a more open sense of availability in terms of what they like or what they're willing to try or what might feel good and for some people they might have more of a rigid arousal only certain things or certain movements can help them, you know, feel turned on or help them reach orgasm. And neither is good or bad or right or wrong. We're just organized differently sometimes. So whatever is your truth, I think it's okay to embrace that. And if you decide that if you want to lean into something and push yourself to create more expansiveness, then okay, you can do that. And if you decide, no, I like what I like and that works for me, then okay, mm. then do more of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? I, I think it doesn't help us to judge ourselves or try to create these arbitrary categories and labels. Right. I think just lean into pleasure with consent, of course, but lean into pleasure and allow pleasure to be your guide. I love that. Because because things can change and morph and there's new experience. And for me, the soul always wants to experience something new. So the unfolding is it's all okay if there's consent mm -hmm. and letting pleasure be your guide. It's okay to be pleasurable. Yeah. Pleasure ain't sin. You're allowed to you're allowed to eat something and have pleasure. You're allowed to have a sexual experience and be in full pleasure. Actually, you deserve it. And to think mm -hmm. that we don't is 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 to me insane. It's insane to think that we don't deserve pleasure. I know. I, I, you know, capitalism has really done us dirty in this way because we often feel we have to earn pleasure, right? And that's perpetuated in the way that we work hard for a weekend or work hard for our right. one week vacation or whatever. So we get a lot of messages about how we're supposed to earn the right to rest or earn the right to pleasure. But rest and pleasure are an innate human right. Um, sex with another person is not right. a human right, right? But pleasure is something that we all have the ability to experience and don't have to justify wanting or reveling in. I don't know if I can top that with any question because that was a beautiful way to like really wrap that up. You know, this is, this is our, we are inherently predisposed to live a life of just joy and mm. pleasure and and smiles and dancing when we want to and eating the most sensual foods when we want to you know and yes. connecting back to life um modern intimacy mm -hmm. can you tell us what that is yeah modern intimacy is the private practice that i founded in uh, 2020 um we have about 14 providers on staff and we serve seven states so we can see people in new york florida illinois colorado minnesota texas and California, 
and they have we, we have two really incredibly well-trained coaches on our team who work with folks internationally. Um, so we work with folks uh, in English, Farsi, Spanish, wow. and we're really committed as a team to helping people set down any sort of shame-driving scripts that get in the way of them living a holistic, integrated, and thriving life. Man, that is that. Is that on the website right there? Over the top? <laughs> no, but maybe I should put it uh, there. Yeah, I mean, because I'm, I am these, 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 these just sentences are hitting mm. my heart. Um, where do we find you? Oh, modernintimacy.com is the best place to go. People can check me out on TikTok and Instagram at Dr. Kate Balistrieri. They can check out our YouTube channel, which is at cool. Modern Intimacy, or there's my podcast, Get Naked with Dr. Kate. Get Naked with Dr. Kate. You're you're TikToking, huh? I am TikToking. I got to check out the TikTok. I, I'm excited to see these <laughs> these little tidbits. Um, well, look, thank you so much for talking about mm. a subject that is near and dear to my heart. Mm. I said the Marvin Gaye thing because sexual healing is so powerful. It is. I've seen it in my own expression, in my own healing, and in my clients, and just friends, and even family. Like, this thing's unfolding. I think there's a consciousness that is sort mm. of arising, and mm. things are shifting. And I love that you're leading it with your wonderful way to organize these words and just really hit the heart of um, of all of us. So thank you so much for coming on the show, giving us the wisdom. Everyone go check out Modern Intimacy. If, if you really feel called, they're there for you and accessible. Thank you. Thank you. 